I mean, the spirit's high. You know, we move on to the next one. You know, that's what type of team we are. Um, we've been that way the whole whole season. So, you know, we're going to stick with that. Um, we're going to come in tomorrow, go over film, regroup, and get ready for game four. These Joes are helping you bet like a pro. It's BetQL Daily from BetQL. Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, BetQL Daily weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon on the BetQL Network, the voice of Devin Booker after the Suns lost last night to the Clippers, 106-92. to Phoenix has a 2-1 to series advantage. The Suns were slight favorites, so the Clippers uh, obviously cover the one. They went outright. It goes under the number of 221 and the hook. And let's bring in the man that drafted uh, Devin Booker. He's an Odyssey NBA insider. His name is Ryan McDonough. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. Get access to data and insights the sports books don't want you to see. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. Follow Ryan on Twitter at McDNBA. That's at McDNBA. Uh, Ryan, let's talk about the Clippers' victory last night. Are we oversimplifying things uh, if we just say, hey, look, the the backcourt of the Suns, Paul was forced into heavy playing time with the injury to pain, and when those guys miss a combined 30 shots, you're not going to win any games. Yeah, good morning, guys. Always great to be on with you. I, I think that that was the main reason for the result last night. Phoenix's backcourt, as you mentioned, Chris Paul and Devin Booker really struggled for different reasons. I thought the mask affected Booker in particular shooting. He, he just looked off and not comfortable all night on his perimeter jump shots. And then Chris Paul uh, coming back you know, off, of, off of COVID, missing, I believe it was 11 days. Um, reading the post-game interviews with Chris last night, it seems, it seems like he wasn't able to do a whole lot basketball-wise. So uh, he looked as uh, anybody would who hadn't played competitive basketball for over a week and a half and then was dropped into a conference finals game. He looked a little bit slow and rusty and lethargic, which I think was to be anticipated. And then when Cameron Payne went out, those have been the three guys for the Suns, their three uh, playmakers, shot creators in the backcourt. Uh, so I think it was, it was that combined with uh, the Clippers were solid. I mean, give the Clippers a lot of credit. What they did defensively was impressive. Uh, Paul George was, I uh, put up good numbers, although he wasn't very efficient in doing it. Um, but Reggie Jackson continues to be a revelation in this postseason. I, I don't think a lot of people nationally are realizing how good he's been. And uh, now we have a series, guys. And the one thing I'm really keeping my eye on, we don't know this because uh, the Clippers have been uh, so tight-lipped about it, obviously it would impact the betting markets, is uh, is there a chance that Kawhi Leonard surprises us and returns some point later in this series now that it looks like the series would be uh, at least five games, if not longer. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on that and try to read the tea leaves and see if I can find any information along those lines. Ryan, that's really interesting. And, and the one thing that pops to my mind is Kawhi and, and his teams have always been very smart and kind of pragmatic about his health and what's what's worth it for his team. He's, you know, he rests a lot. He takes time off to make sure his body's right. Uh, let me play this out for you, Ryan. Tell me your thoughts on it. If, if the Clippers win game four, this is a 2-2 series and Kawhi is trying to make it back, does that make it more likely he comes back? And then the flip side is they lose game four without him. They're down 3-1. Do you think he would push and would the Clippers push if the series is you know in peril at that point? 
Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And with that player in particular, as you mentioned, uh, with Kawhi Leonard, uh, there's a lot of sensitivity around issues. We all know what happened in San Antonio. And, um, you know, there was a wedge that, that uh, was driven between the Spurs and Kawhi Leonard and his camp over some of the uh, medical treatment and rehab and all that kind of stuff. And that led him to demand a trade. And he obviously got traded to Toronto and won the championship the one year he was there in 2019. So uh, because of that, the Clippers, uh, who are being, um, you know, very guarded about what they share publicly, there's not a whole lot of information. You guys remember a, a few weeks ago when it happened, uh, there was speculation that he had a torn ACL and was going to be out uh, potentially for this season, but in, in the next year as well, and that, that's obviously not the case. Uh, so it looks like it is a sprain. I, I've just seen pictures and videos of him walking around the arena uh, with, with no brace on his knee, which um, you know leads me to believe that he may be closer than a lot of people anticipate. So uh, we're, we're just purely speculating, obviously, but uh, certainly if he comes back, that would impact the betting markets, and uh, the Clippers did what they had to do last night, uh, extended the series a little bit, and uh, keep this in mind, Guys, every time the Clippers win a game, that's uh, two more days because of the off day and then another game. So uh, that gives Kawhi Leonard at least 48 more hours to try to get right and potentially return later in the series. Ryan, how do you explain 0-6 in games 1 and 2 this postseason and 9-1 and in games 3 through 7 for the Clippers? Really baffling and, and bizarre. I, I don't think I can because there really hasn't been a consistent theme or pattern. Uh, obviously, the, the consistent themes, they lost the first two games in all the series, but, um, you know, they've had a home court advantage in, in some, I guess, in the first round against Dallas uh, in round one. They did not have it in the last two rounds against Utah and Phoenix. Those games were on the road. Um, so, really, I, I don't know. I mean, Ty Lue has shown to be a master of adjustments. Um, this is kind of a, a slow-starting team. Uh, I thought that was one of the things that stood out last night in Game 3. Obviously, the Clippers had to win that game, uh, and they jumped out early. They were up 29-21 after the first quarter. Uh, for the first time in a long time, guys, keep in mind the Phoenix Suns haven't lost a game in about a month, or hadn't lost a game in about a month. Phoenix was the lethargic, slow-starting team that I thought just showed up and tried to ease into the game last night. Uh, that has not been their pattern. They've, they've attacked, but last night I thought they were more passive. So I don't really have a good feel for it, guys. I mean, certainly, um, you know, you can't say it's due to Kawhi Leonard because, uh, you know, the, uh, the first couple of rounds in particular, he was playing and they still lost the first two games at home. So uh, I don't know what it is, but I, I do give Ty Lue a lot of credit for his in-series adjustments. Uh, he made some more last night. And, uh, again, now we have a series, and uh, I'll be very interested to see how game four goes tomorrow night. You gave credit there to uh, to Ty Lue. I feel like nationally people still may not be doing that enough. I mean, he's a really good coach. He has the best record ever, best winning percentage ever when facing elimination. And, you know, he won the championship with the Cavaliers. Anytime you win with a player like LeBron James, the coaches are probably going to get the credit, even if he's a great coach because he has the greatest player of this generation on his side. Just overall over the years, your thoughts on, on Lue as a coach, I, I think now people are starting to realize how good he is. Excellent. Yeah, he's one, he's one of the best in the league. I'm a little biased. Ty is a friend of mine. We worked together in the Celtics uh, front office um, and won the championship there in 2008. But he, he is uh, an outstanding coach and tactician. And that's, that's what I'm really happy to see uh, people acknowledge that and, and respect that because you're right. Anytime you coach LeBron James, uh, whether it's uh, Ty Lue or Eric Spolstra or Frank Vogel, whoever, whoever it is, uh, you, you know, the, the easy default answer, especially for people who want to be critical or not give proper credit is to say, well, uh, that guy won because of great players. Well, guess what? So, so did Red Auerbach, so did Phil Jackson, so did Greg Popovich and the great coaches in NBA history. Usually that's what it takes to win at a high level. In fact, that's almost always what it takes. But uh, I think you're seeing Ty Lue's strength. I, I think his greatest strengths, in my opinion, are his connection and relationship with the players, uh, getting those guys to buy in, getting them uh, to be accountable. 
one thing to keep in mind, guys, is what he's done just in this year's playoffs uh, with Patrick Beverly, who was getting some DNPs, uh, with Rajon Rondo, who's been in and out of the lineup, who's also got some DNPs and not played as much in other games. Um, you know, when those guys' numbers called, uh, they, they come in and play well, and then when they're benched, they, they take it and accept it and don't gripe and do whatever's best for the team. Not many NBA coaches have that grasp and command of the locker room and that respect from the players, uh, but Ty Lue has it, and that's why I think he's able to tinker so much, and that's why he's been so successful with his in-series adjustments. This is BetQL Daily with Joe O and Joe G on the BetQL Network. Our guest, Odyssey NBA insider Ryan McDonough, and we get game two of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight, Ryan, and it's a similar situation to game one. The Bucks are favored by eight. The total is 225. At some point, uh, we have to give some respect to Atlanta. Huh? Joe, Joe, Joe and Joe, why are the Bucks favored by eight? Can, can you explain that to me? Like, why, why are the Milwaukee Bucks an eight-point favorite against the Atlanta Hawks tonight? Uh, the only thing I could say is it, it, it was close to the number that we had in game one, and they don't want to make an over-adjustment, and they know the money is coming in on Milwaukee because they are the desperate team at home. Yeah, um, I really like Atlanta. I mean, I really like Atlanta. Uh, I liked them before the series. I picked them to win the series. Uh, I thought seven and a half to eight uh, was way too many points for Atlanta to get in game one, and uh, here, here we are again in game two. So I have no doubt that Milwaukee will adjust tonight. If I were betting, you know, first quarter, first half, I'd probably lean toward the Bucks. Uh, in that, because I think they're going to come out aggressive, especially on Trey Young, and maybe trap them a little bit more and be more physical with them. Uh, although, you know, after watching Atlanta, guys, keep in mind what they've done on the road, too. I mean, they've gone to Philly and won three times at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, in the first round, they went to New York and won. I believe it was twice. Now they've won in Milwaukee. Um, this is a young team, but this is a team that's proven it can win on the road. Uh, I don't think this is a mismatch at all. I don't care what the regular season records were, or which team has the two-time MVP, and which team uh, you know is, is relatively young and inexperienced. Uh, I like Atlanta to, at a minimum, cover, uh, maybe win the game tonight. I think anybody looking at this series as a mismatch or saying, oh, you know, Milwaukee will right the ship and then cruise uh, through the Eastern Conference and, and, and represent the Eastern NBA Finals, uh, I think they're making a pretty big mistake. Ryan, so tonight, at worst, Atlanta's going to walk out 1-1. They could walk out 2-0. Have you started to believe and think they can win this series? Because if you do, if the people listening to us do, there is some serious value to take Atlanta to win this series still, even after game one. Do you think the Hawks can win this series and get to the finals? I, I do. I do. In fact, if I were betting it, that, that, that would be my pick. Um, I, I think it's going to be Atlanta and Phoenix. I, I know they're both young, but uh, I think it's going to be Atlanta and Phoenix unless you know, Kawhi makes a miraculous return and uh, you know, Devin Booker and Chris Paul are, are somewhat limited the rest of the series in the West. But uh, I, I think those two teams are going to play in the finals. And um, Maybe I've been you know, overly pessimistic on the Bucks, guys. I, I just think uh, people in, in, in the betting markets in particular are giving them too much credit for beating uh, a Brooklyn team without Kyrie Irving and with – with James Harden playing on one leg, uh, in spite of all that, they still needed you know a three with Kevin Durant's toe on the line to make it a two and then a win in overtime. And, and I'm not trying to discredit Milwaukee in any way. Uh, I just think people are overweighting it like they beat the, the Nets at full strength, which they didn't. And so I think Milwaukee's a little overrated. I think Atlanta's underrated. Uh, yeah, so I, I like the, the, the Hawks again. They get a minimum cover tonight. Uh, they may win the game as well, and I, I think they're going to come out of the Eastern Conference. Uh, Middleton 0 for 9 on three-pointers in game one. Uh, the point total is at 23 and a half threes made is set at two and a half. Do you think he'll go over both of those numbers? 
I do. That, that's a good question. I, I hadn't, you know, obviously thought about the props uh, individually as much. Um, I, I go back and look at what he did in the last two games of the Brooklyn series. He was phenomenal. I, I don't think enough people gave him, you know, the proper credit for what he did in game six and seven against Brooklyn. Uh, historically good, you know, in terms of points, rebounds, assists, efficiency. Uh, so he, he had a stinker in game one. There's no doubt about that. Six for 23 from the floor, 0 for 9 from three. Uh, but this is a, you know, a consistent, reliable player. He's uh, the Bucks' second best player. He's the best shooter and score. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that one, Joe, if you're looking for a prop, because I, I think Middleton will bounce back tonight in game two. Ryan McDonough joining us, Odyssey NBA Insider. Ryan, um, you know, I think since they, the two of them got in the league, Luca for the uh, Mavericks and Trey Young, obviously, for the Hawks here, they'll, they'll always be connected because of the draft night trade and everything went down with those franchises. But there's been a gap in the way people talk about them. Luca's on one level and Trey hasn't been on that level. Do you think that gap is shrinking? How how big do you think the gap is? Because Trey Young is doing things right now in the postseason. And in sc- I mean, the scoring, just he flies over is over in these biggest games all the time. Did something no one's ever done before in game one. Do you think Trey is closing that gap? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think, I mean, shoot, they're both going to be multi-time All-Stars. I think they'll both be MVP candidates. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Luca, uh, for sure, wins at least one, if not multiple MVPs, and Trey's probably going to be in the mix as well. So uh, it, it's hard to really be critical. I mean, given what uh, Trey has done, given what the franchise has done, um, I think the questions about Trey, guys, have by and large been answered. I mean, you know, he, he, he could shoot and score in, in college, but uh, did he get his teammates involved enough? Did he make his teammates better? Well, it's clearly he's showing uh, that he can. I mean, that, that that lob pass to John Collins off the glass the other night in game was ridiculous. I mean, there aren't many guys in the NBA who would, who would try that. Uh, but what really stood out to me in game one is, I think it was midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, Giannis was driving into the paint, and, and Ch- Trey Young, you know, got chest to chest with Giannis and really slowed Giannis down. I mean, nobody stops Giannis, but Trey was physical with him. He stood him up a little bit. Uh, that was one of the main knocks on him. Was you know, is he tough enough? Is he physical enough? Are, are teams just going to abuse him defensively? Um, you know, he's, he's still obviously much better on the offensive end, where he's elite than he is defensively. But uh, I was real happy to see the competitive nature on the defensive end, and uh, clearly he's proving that he can be the best player on a team that's uh, currently leading the conference finals. And uh, I, I don't think as, as he grows and matures, there's any reason uh, he can't be one of the best players, if not the best player on a championship winning team. All right. Bogdanovich clearly injured, but he was still out there for 27 minutes the other night. Uh, his point total last four games, four, four, seven, and six. That's not the Bogdanovich uh, that we know. Do, do you think he's going to be able to get healthier as these playoffs go along? I'm not sure. I mean, we, we, I know Bogdan pretty well. We actually drafted him when I was GM of the Phoenix Suns in 2014. He's a really tough guy. I mean, he's a Serbian, um, you know, stubborn, hard-headed. I mean that in a good way. Just competitive uh, son of a gun who's played a lot of minutes between uh, internationally uh, in the NBA and also with the Serbian national team. So he's going to want to play. I mean, he's going to play through things that other guys would not play through. That's just how tough he is and how he's wired. I think the challenge for Atlanta guys is – Bogdanovich is hobbled, and then DeAndre Hunter uh, is out as well. So they're really you know, thin on the wing. Uh, now, the good news is this is as deep as any team remaining in the playoffs. So uh, they have enough to overcome you know, an injury or two here or there, especially with how well Kevin Herter's played. But, uh, Joe, I, I don't see a way, especially now that we're essentially every other night with the games in each conference, uh, I don't see a way, from my experience, that that gets a whole lot better uh, unless you know, the Hawks somehow quickly eliminate Milwaukee and then there's a gap and a break before the finals. Uh, that would be the only way that I could see a knee getting significantly better uh, when you're at this level and the games are coming pretty fast and furious. Odyssey NBA insider Ryan McDonough at McD NBA. Enjoy the games, Ryan. Hopefully we chat next week, all right? Anytime, guys. Thank you.
Insider calls presented by BetQL. BetQL is here to help us all make better bets through real proven analytics. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. Joe O and Joe G, BetQL Daily from BetQL.